Praise the Lord. We're excited today to have Philip Cameron with us from Orphan's Hands. Philip is, and we're not holding it against him, he's from Scotland. And I'm just, it's my time to get back at you for all those, for, for all those, you know, he, he was razzing me for the last few years about being Irish. And how many of you know that God is a just God? He just found out that he was part Irish too. And so, so God knows that. <laughs> Not anymore, it ain't. It's all over the world. But we appreciate him so much for being here. I, I, I'm going to share this as he comes. Philip is, is very faithful and he's very dedicated. What a lot of people didn't know, we didn't mention this in the last service at all. Philip, 10 days ago, had a, went in for a hyenal hernia surgery. And when he woke up, he found out that they had removed over half of his stomach. When they went down for the scope, they found out that half of his stomach had died. There was no blood flow or minimal blood flow to it. And he refused to take time off to rest up. He's just been going and trusting God. He hadn't been able to eat since then. So we, we give God praise for his faithfulness and for all that God is doing through him. Give him a hand as he comes right now. Hello. <laughs> it doesn't hurt if I don't breathe. I'm fine. You won't mind me sitting down, will you? I am Irish. God, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get down. Please. Throw that man in the beard out, will you, please? I, that was way too enthusiastic. Now, for years and years, I've teased people. In, in, in Europe, different nations have got their own personality and identity. Um, the English are snobby. The Irish like to fight. <laughs> Don't they ever like to fight? Um, the Welsh love to sing. The Scots are a wee bit stingy with their pennies, if you know what I mean. Um, the Italians are known for, are, are not known for being brave. One of the smallest books in the world, Irish heroes. I mean, Rome, Italian heroes. So I've been teasing people as long as I can remember about being Irish. One of the other things that Irish is, are, are known for is not being the brightest bulb in the pack, if you know what I mean. Like, like you know, anyway. So I've teased my Irish friends mercilessly for years and years. So my son Andrew, for my um, birthday last year, gave me a... A DNA test that ancestry do not take it <laughs> do not I promise you it's not worth it so I got it pff, off it went six weeks later it comes back it's in my iPad so I, I can't work my iPad so Dasha on the front or wave Dasha one of our, one of the young women from Moldova I said Dasha I can't open this blessed thing tell me what this is so I give her my iPad and she's standing in a couple of clicks she's got to what I w would never have found and uh, she starts to laugh I says what's what are you laughing at <laughs> I says what's the deal she says you're half Irish You could have knocked me over with a feather. It has been, it, it just, it, it's just been devastating ever since. So I have a number of Irish friends. 
one being here this morning. And I was foolish enough in a state of shock when I didn't know any better, I blurted this out to them almost as a confession, <laughs> not realizing that these galoots would hold this against me and every time they see me, they crack anti-Irish jokes. And if you're here this morning and what I'm telling you is getting you all upset, get over yourself, will you please? My, my grandma used to say that, that German humor is not the greatest in the world. <laughs> You'll get that after a while. It is a delight to be with you. I am so glad to be here. As Pastor told you, I, I was taken in for a hiatal hernia surgery a week of Friday, and um, I, I thought it was gonna be a little thing and no big deal. And when I woke up in the hospital, the doctor was there, the surgeon, and he says it was a big deal. And they found that a, a large part of my stomach had no blood supply. And he said, we either would take it out or it would rot. What's your choice? And I says, what did you do? He says, we took it out. I says, well, there you go. And um, so that's, that's it. So I haven't eaten since then. And um, I, I, it only hurts when I breathe. But I made a commitment to be here. And I will be with, I, I will fulfill my commitments. Um, there's a song that I sing, so many lives depend on what I do. And I'm not here for me, I'm here for them. And um, I, I believe that when we, when we give our word, we should honor our word. So if, I, if I'm a bit, if I feel slightly quieter than I normally am, that's why, okay? So cut me some slack if you would. I've never sat down before in church. This is, I feel, I feel like I'm backsliding sitting up here. <laughs> And then I saw these kids jumping around. I'm thinking, I should shoot them all, every one of them. I'm telling you. Now. <laughs> and then I saw them doing those flips. I think pastors should do that next Sunday. I, I really feel. No, listen. No. I think, wouldn't that be a good idea? Tell everyone in the town, pastor is going to do some four forward flips. And um, I think the place will be packed to the walls. I, 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 won't, I don't think you'll have enough people, space for people to watch. And we will have an ambulance ready for him whenever he finishes his first flip or his first belly flop. <laughs> and um, uh, we have someone else arranged to preach the rest and finish the service after him. And the funeral will be on Wednesday. It's, it's all taken care of. <laughs> I love this church. Let me tell you something. When I came here a, a few years ago, um, we've, I've been traveling since, uh, since 1969. I came to America with my dad when I was 13 and arrived on the 12th of March. And I've traveled in every state in America. I've been in thousands of churches, all different sizes, some of the biggest and some of the smallest, I guess. But once in a while, you meet people that click in your heart. Now, he thinks it's because he's Irish. I think it's because his wife is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Oh, my, that's, what you, that's what you call getting yourself in a no-win situation. In one step, I got the pastor mad at me, and if I correct what I just said, then the pastor's wife is mad at me. So this is my last time with you all. I love you so much. <laughs> but I came here, and I just found friends, and I appreciate that so much. And um, how many will, will admit with me that this past year has been one of the wildest, craziest years we've ever seen in our lives. If I told you this a year ago, 
you would have, in fact, when this whole outbreak happened, I was in Moldova. And um, the, the, in Moldova, they give out this announcement on television that they were closing the airport the next night at midnight. So my son Andrew went out there and spent the whole day that next day trying to get us on a flight. And we got out on the last flight out of the country to Turkey, to Istanbul. So we managed to get to East, Istanbul. We got into Istanbul about 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, we began again the process of trying to get out. And as every news broadcast that was taking place, they were announcing more and more people were dying and more and more people were getting infected. It was, it was crazy. So it took us five days to get out of um, Turkey to get back to America. And um, when we left, the last moments we had in Moldova, I, I took all the kids together and I said, look, I said, I don't know what this little, I, I thought it would last a couple of weeks. I said, I don't know what this is going to look like in the next few weeks or months. I said, but I want to promise you this, that God loves every one of you and we will not abandon you like you've been abandoned before. For those that don't know, we have a village of homes in Moldova. And we go to orphanages where young girls at 16 are put on the street and traffickers get them. And they use them 30 to 50 times a day until they kill them. And we take them into our homes and feed them and, and clothe them and put them back in school and tell them if you're born, God has a plan for your life. And um, we, are seeing, <clears throat> we are seeing some of the most amazing miracles happen um, when kids, every day of their life in the orphanage, the director or the, the staff will say, you're garbage, no one wants you. Your mother doesn't want you. Your father doesn't want you. You'll never be anything. In all of the documents, there's an, a stamp, orphan. So whatever they try to get a job, they're looked upon as if they're gonna be untrustworthy. I mean, it's a stigma against these kids. And when they come to us, we tell them, if you are born, God has a plan. You are not a mistake. If you can survive in an orphanage, you're better than most people. God's got his hand on your life. And um, it is truly remarkable what God is doing. And these young folk turn from orphans to sons and daughters, then from sons and daughters into missionaries. And our kids now go out nonstop. They've just locked down Moldova again. It's just back under lockdown. And our kids, with special permission from the government, are going into villages. Now understand, this is a country outside of the capital, Kishnau. If you're out for a, couple, a, a mile or two out of Kishnau, the villages have got no streets, no sidewalks, no lights, no indoor plumbing. People live like it's 100 years ago. And at the bottom of that mess, you've got the poverty stricken, the alcoholic father that's abandoned his kids. So a woman's at home looking after six kids and she can't feed them. Or widows that have been abandoned by their kids that go to the West. They get a job in, in Germany or wherever and they abandon their family. And these widows have no money to, 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 to buy food and they've no way to get, they've no way to even get to, to a place to buy food because the little local shop in the, in, in the village is closed down. And so these widows are stuck in horrendous starving with no one to, to care for them. And um, our kids, we, we have a paperwork from the government and our kids go out and knock on their door and bring them 
food and, and coal or, or wood if they need wood and, and months and months of food with them. We bring them warm clothes. We, we fix up their houses. And then one pass. Andrew, you wouldn't have that. Will you have Valentina? Can I share you a two-minute video? I, I didn't plan to do this, but I, this explains what missions can do. Every young person you see on this video is an orphan, abandoned. And this is what you're doing by supporting us. And there's a lady called Valentina, a widow, and she, she had a stroke, and, and I think it's her left arm. It's, she can only move her left arm from her whole body. And her son abandoned her. And we went and found her. She hadn't had a bath in three years. Her mattress, because she can't get out of bed, is eaten away by human waste. And we went and visited her. Watch this. I think it looks, I didn't plan to show you this, but it's, it's too appropriate not to show you. Watch this. Her name is Valentina. Please don't forget her. I want to talk to you for a wee moment today about one of the great sins in the church. As I told the kids at Vatter Village that God would see us through, he did, and he has. Last year, we had seven services the entire year. And the work in Moldova depends on us traveling and re receiving offerings to meet the need back home. I'm happy to tell you that not one child was turned away. In fact, last September, we took in 24 kids in one day. In one day, 24 kids. And uh, <clears throat> I told the kids there, I says, no matter what happens, the last light that will be switched off after all our lights are switched off will be yours. And um, they prayed with us and believed God with us, and 
God has been so amazingly kind and gracious to help us and see us through this last year. It's so thankful. And um, as I spoke to them and, and I, I came back to America, in a week, America had changed. It is the greatest thought change that this country has ever gone through. I left and America was a freewheeling, we're the, we're, we're the biggest, there's no one like us. And by the time we came back, America had been scared by officials into, into terror that a, that, a, that a virus that most people survive that is less deadly than the, than, than the flu. But we were told by everyone that this thing was absolutely the end of the world, and we believed them. And the result or, or the, the reaction that you're seeing right now with the state, the governor saying, this state is open, we don't care what you say, this state is open. And the states that are open are the ones that are doing better than the states that are closed. Go figure. Go figure. But what we learned is this. If they can scare you enough, they'll make you accept anything they want to tell you. And that the country that is known around the world for free speech and freedom of religion shut our churches down. And you would go to Walmart and Walmart would be packed to the doors and Home Depot packed to the doors and our churches, let me tell you, it's not Home Depot they hate. It's us. We represent everything that they're against. We stand for righteousness. We believe the Bible and they hate everything about us. unbelievable and God began to deal with me and has been dealing with me and I want to talk to you about one of the one of the reasons why we're in the mess we're in my country Scotland is part of England Ireland Scotland and Wales the United Kingdom the greatest Queen Queen Elizabeth that we now have is the longest serving Queen she just became that last year but the longest serving up to her and the greatest queen was Queen Victoria. When Queen Victoria was on the throne of, of Great Britain and, and its colonies, we ruled the world. Listen to me. When I was a boy in school, they hadn't changed the maps from those days. And the teacher would look at the map and point at the map and say to us, all of the pink parts of the world are British. India, most of Africa, Canada, America, Australia. You think of how great Great Britain was. And our country turned our back on God and it has fallen from being the greatest power. Empires, this was, the bi this was big. <laughs> Our country is now the 51st state of America. 
whatever you decide, Britain has to follow suit because we depend on you for, for our livelihoods and our exports and our economical and, and, and defense purposes. So what I'm telling you is that America is not so big and we're not so powerful that we cannot fail. We depend on God Almighty. And the moment that we think that we can do this without God, we are up the creek without a paddle. Did you hear me? We are up the creek without a paddle. So I want to talk to you about something that I believe can be one of the faults and one of the fractures. Uh, how many have heard of, of the, the, the continental divide when, when the, the, the plates of the, of the world are shifting, the tectonic plates are shifting? One of the fractures, one of the areas of earthquake in the church is unthankfulness. We are the most blessed people that the world has ever known. America, we are. You are the, most, the greatest people. Even Britain in its zenith, no country has come to... When you think, and I'm British, so I'll look at you, your country a bit different than, than you guys do. But when you think that these men, young men, in their mid-twenties most, wrote out the Constitution and wrote out the Articles of Independence and all the things that wove this country together, that the, the different parts of this continent, America, that you had Louisiana represented, I mean, France represented, and England represented, and Spain represented, and all of the different cultures and all of the European problems that were about to be exported to here so the fights that we had in Britain and Europe would then have been the fights here. But God, by providence, by providence, God allowed a more excellent union to be made. That states like Illinois, that by themselves are as great as a nation in Europe, would say, no, no, we won't be independent. We will join hands with Indiana, and we'll join hands with Florida, and we'll make this union, this amazing union that 50 countries, in effect, have joined into one nation. Do you know that California? I'm not very happy with California just now, but I'll use this anyway. <laughs> what a bunch of nut nutcases. Anyway, that's beside the point. Pain, it's a pain. Blame the pain. Anything I say that you don't under just say, oh, he's in pain. It's, it's affecting the pain. Do you know that if you cut California off by itself, which would be a great idea, but if you cut California... Did I just say that just now? Did that come out of my mouth? When you get a bit older, you start thinking things, and you're not sure if they stayed inside or they came outside. Anyway, if you take California by itself, California would be the sixth most powerful country in the world. California has more paved roads than all of the fo former Soviet Union. Pennsylvania has more power economically than Australia does. And we have all come together into this ridiculous union. And we don't even appreciate it anymore ourselves because we've lost thankfulness for what God has given us. 
and we are selling ourselves cheap to foreign people. You say, but Philip, I'm Scottish and struggled for years and paid every penny I had in the world to become a, an, a resident alien in this country and to get a green card and waited for five years after I got a green card. Couldn't go home for years and years because if I left, I lost my place in the queue. And I, I sat for years and missed my mom and my dad and couldn't go home because I knew that being American was more important than anything else in the world. And one day I got a letter through the mail, come to Atlanta, Georgia, bring your green card with you. And I went into a theater in, in, in Atlanta with about 500 other people. And they showed us a film or something, whatever it was, and then we stood up and we pledged allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic from which it stands, one nation under God. It was the proudest. I was by myself. I had no one with me. And I'm standing there, and in the ceremony, you've got, to, you've got to give up all loyalty to kings and queens and potentates. And I'm standing there doing this. I'm thinking, if my dad could see me right now, he'd never talk to me again. <laughs> I walked out of that room, and I'd grown six inches. Because unlike any other country in the world, I'm as American as you are. I might have been born in Scotland. You can go as an American and become a Scot. You'll always be an American. But I can come here as a Scot and become an American. And I look at your country, and it blows my mind at the greatness you have. And I'm telling you now, I've never met a people in my life like you to complain. You grumble over nothing. You have more stuff than the rest of the world can ever dream about. Take these kids from Moldova, the first time they come to America, and put them in a grocery store and watch them fondle a, a pineapple like it was a precious piece of art. with so many different brands of so many different things that they, that they just stand and can't even talk. In America, those that should be thankful complain. We grumble over everything. We've got a government that fights over everything, that fight, whatever, it, there's nothing. This, they're not interested in you or me. They're interested in holding on to their power. And they'll sacrifice your life and your future and America's grandkids. And they'll borrow the debt to buy votes. To, and you'll be slaves and your kids will be slaves and your grandkids will be slaves. Because we've lost thankfulness for America. Most of the men that wrote the Declaration of Independence lost what they had. Unthankfulness will do to America what no Chinese army ever will. 
Wasn't it Lincoln that said that no foreign force will ever drink from the Ohio? For if America falls, she must fall from within. And the church is the only and last bastion against it. There's no one else left. Everyone's been compromised. Sports heroes are no more sports heroes than fly a kite. They have sold themselves out. They have been, become antisocial. They are presenting a socialist, communist worldview in this country. My dad's 71. I'm 66. 71 went to the doctors, and the doctor says he needed, his kidneys weren't functioning, he had diabetes. And, and the doctor said, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on medicine. And I, and I went in, I flew from America and spoke to the doctor. I says, put on dialysis for a night and take the, the fluid out of his body and take the pressure off his lungs. And the doctor laughed at me, laughed at me in my face and says, what do you think this is? We can't afford to do that for your father. He's an old man. And he died that night, 71 years of age because a doctor decided he wasn't worthy to help. And that's what we want. The last bastion against darkness is the church. And the church is losing our voice because of one major sin, and that is the sin of unthankfulness. Unthankfulness can turn gold to trash. Unthankfulness can turn beauty to ugliness. Because once your heart is unthankful, nothing is right. The songs in the church aren't right. The kids, did you see those kids dancing in church? Never seen the like in my life. What's it coming to? And where's the organ? We used to have an organ church. What's happened to the organ? And we'll pick and pick and pick and pick and pick and pick and pick until there's nothing left. And then where there's nothing left, we're all going to say, wow, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. We lost our appreciation of what we had. Write this down somewhere. Whatever you don't appreciate, you're going to lose every time. What you don't appreciate, you are going to lose. Listen to this. Luke 17. I'm, I, is, this, is this making any sense to you all at all? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not on medication, so it can't be meds. It just must be pain. So I'm almost done, I promise you. Luke 17, it tells us a story. And it came to pass, verse 11, as he went to Jerusalem, Jesus, and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten lepers that were lepers which stood afar off. Now, a lep leprosy, we don't talk much about it, but I still remember when I was a kid back in Scotland, um, there were leper colonies in Africa and India and stuff. And um, leprosy is a horrendous disease that eats the extremities of your body. It eats your nose, your nose eats away, and there's nothing left, and your ears fall off, and, and, and your fingers fall off until they're just clubs, and your toes, and then your feet. 
Horrible disease, horrible disease. And it's infectious, or they thought it was infectious. So what happened was that Jesus comes into this village and there are 10 men that are leprous. They can't hug their wives anymore. They can't hug their kids. They can't be near their grandkids. They can't work gainfully. They're, they're stuck by themselves. In fact, if you get near them, they are required to scream, unclean, unclean. Don't come near, I'm unclean. You imagine the stigma of, 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 of debasing yourself. Don't come near me. So they're watching this man called Jesus and somehow someone told them or they heard enough to know that this, this man might be our answer. And the Bible says, they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. God will meet your need when you get off your behind and start walking towards your miracle. I've never used that word in church before. Take a note, I'll, re I'll use that again. My son's back there lying on the ground thinking, oh please, someone stop my father. This is how you destroy your reputation in one service. It's really clever. This is marvelous stuff. I should do this on nationwide TV and kill the ministry completely. But anyway, so what I'm saying is this. We're always waiting for Jesus to do stuff for us. Like he's some kind of Santa Claus. And we just sit there like overweight, overfed, spoiled kids. And we just, you know, what's next for me? I, yeah, you blessed me last week, but what's next? And we come to church with that ideas in our mind. And the pastor's got to, well, we're going to have a, we're going to, what, what you doing this week? What, what, what's happening next week? And yeah, that was good this week, but what, is there something bigger next week? And we become, we become art critics in church. And we've also become audio mixers in church. I turned that guitar down. That was me. That was my guitar. I turned that blessed thing down. When I got those high licks, it's like, it's like right in my teeth. Oh, behave yourself. God is moving in this church. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. And God wants to do new things and bigger things, but he won't do it on your command because he's the boss and we're the subject to him. These men call Jesus what? Master. Jesus, master. And he says, go show yourselves. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, how many, how many were healed? Ten. How many came back? One. Ten percent. I've discovered over years and years and years, about ten percent of the church really is thankful. Do you know why? Do you know how you'll know who thankful people are? Because they won't complain. Thankful people will show up and help clean the church. Thankful folk, folk, folk will be down front. Thankful folk will be the ones that leave last and get to here first. Thankful folk are the ones that the pastor can depend on. The critics are the ones that just will come in halfway through song service and sit as far away as they can and get out first and watch the clock. You're easy found. You, if, you, if you think we don't know who you are, I've got great news for you. We know who you are. 
You've got a great big sign on your back and on your front. God can do nothing with unthankfulness. One out of 10, 10% came back from being healed of, a, of the, the worst disease to have. One out of 10 came back and said, listen, thank you so much. Thank you. The other ones were looking for a miracle. The one was looking for a relationship. And a lot of people want to come to church for a miracle when God wants you to be his lover. Is that truth? Yes. It's truth. Go show yourself. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. So he's on his way to the priest because in those days you had to get the priest and the priest gave you a clean bill of health. If you, like the woman with the issue of blood, she had to go to the, she had to prove that she was no longer hemorrhaging. That was, that was a way, it was Levitical law to try to keep disease down that could be transmitted through blood-borne diseases or, or, or um, leprosy. So anyone that had those kind of diseases with no medicine, they isolated you from, from the public. That was the deal. And um, so he turned back with a loud voice and glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't in the covenant of the Jew. He wasn't Abraham's child. In fact, they hated the Jew, the Samaritans, and the Jews were at war with each other because the Jews had conquered some piece of land that the Samaritans claimed. And it was, it was just horrible. And here's a Samaritan. You talk about being in bad shape. You're a Samaritan, and you've got leprosy, and you're living amongst the Jews. Boy, that's a, that's a bad hand to be dealt. But I'm telling you now, one encounter with Jesus can turn the worst of hands into the best of hands. And in one day, one moment, one moment of thanksgiving, listen, one moment, one act of thanksgiving, he was transformed from being a leper to being a friend of Jesus who had been whole. And I'm challenging everyone in this church today. Ask God to give you a thankful heart. The scripture says, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. So the first thing you gotta do is do what? You gotta be thankful. You should have a sign down the bottom of the drive when the folk come into the church. You better be thankful. We should have a, a, an unthankfulness tax. Anyone that's not thankful is going to cost you a hundred bucks to come to church. <laughs> to be collected in the parking lot. And we're going to see you coming out of your, out of your cars with your hands up. And if you're talking in tongues when you come out of your hand, with your hands up, then you get $50 back from the church. <laughs> oh, God. I'll soon be finished, I promise you. I'll, I'll soon be done. I apologize for everything I'm saying here just now. Oh, I could tell you a story just now. I've got a, how many ever heard of C.M. Ward? Anyone ever heard of C.M. Ward, the great evangelist? He's a friend of mine. And um, he was the revival time speaker. And he was, he, was, he worked in the Assemblies of God denomination. And uh, he preached one time in his sermon, he, he, he said that the third floor in Springfield um, had, were on, on the pill. <laughs> this is what he said. And uh, they, they called him in on it, and they played the tape, and they says, what's this? 
So we listened to him speaking and saying these words, and Brother Ward says, my, it's amazing what you will say under the anointing. <laughs> Whew, okay, I shouldn't have told you that story. That was one of those things he told me. He, that, that, was over a, that was in a Denny's late at night when all the old war stories were coming out, and that was what he told me. But what I'm telling you is this, folks. Why don't we make this church the most thankful church in Illinois? Why don't we say, why don't we make a conscious effort in our lives to be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. Amen. If we can enter his gates with thanksgiving, I'll get news for you. If you don't enter his gates with thanksgiving, your praise is not accepted. Unthankfulness cancels access to God because he inhabits the praises of his people. And if we don't, if we aren't thankful, our praise doesn't work. Remember the Bible says if you got ought against a brother, you leave it at the altar and you go and make it right and then you bring it, your, then your offering will be, remember that's, well, it's a sacrifice, of, it's a gift of praise. So if you don't praise him and worship him and thank him, then when you come to church, all he sees is unthankfulness. All he sees is a heart that grumbles and complains all the time. But can you imagine what would happen if we were to come together every Sunday and every service we have together and our hearts are filled with thankfulness? How many are, how many are saved today? How, many, how many's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life today? How many can walk and talk and think how much is your eyesight worth? I was in St. John, New Brunswick with my dad years and years ago, and we were following this old smoky bus, city bus, and it was a warm day, and we were just over, we hadn't been over from Scotland long, and we thought air conditioning was of the devil. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you put on air conditioning in your car, you're gonna catch a cold, because God wanted it hot in the summertime. And if, you're, if you had air conditioning in your car, it was against the will of God. So we didn't have we had the windows down. True. And we're behind this, it is stopping and we couldn't get past, it was a two-lane road. And then we, we pull off this, this time and, and as we do, the window being open, just right six feet away from, from this side of the car, this guy is walking and he's walking fast and he walks into this telephone pole and we heard the crack of his skull against the, the, the pole. And my father slammed on his brakes. The man fell down and he jumped out and I jumped out and, and, um, and the, the guy had burst something on his head and there was a, 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 blood was pulsing out of his head. My dad grabbed a handkerchief and shoved it in his hand and, and, and the man is screaming and he's saying, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I am. They've let me off at the wrong stop. He was blind and he walked into a pole and right there and then Simon Cameron and his young boy Philip had a thankful revival that we were going to get back in a Ford LTD station wagon country squire with the wood down the side that we would get back in that car and we could see and um, my dad preached a message for years after that, the thankful heart. 
how much is the person sitting next to you worth? What would happen if this time next week you came and that wasn't there? And you couldn't reach out and grab his hand or her hand. I've got a friend down in Florida. His name is William Skelton, a good buddy. He works sound in a church down there, a church that I'm part of. I'm on the board. And William's wife, Erica, died of, of COVID. And uh, he's on my Facebook page. And his life has completely lost the thread. And I was down there the other day, and I, I, I was talking to him, and his pastor is on our program regularly. We, we do a show. You need to watch Daily Faith every day. It's on at 11 o'clock. It's called Daily Faith. You can get it at dailyfaith.tv. We have a great, we have this kind of crazy time. Every, I think I'm doing a TV show right now. Don't tell anyone. And, uh, but what, what happened was William has completely lost the plot. He doesn't know where to start. He has no threat to begin again. And it is, I'm, I'm in agony for my friend and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. And all through the night he posts and, and, I, and I'm, I, it dings on my phone when he posts and two in the morning and three in the morning. And these calls of loneliness and desperation from this guy. And he, and he said to me, I don't know what, to, I, I, there's no point in living. And you came to church today and you were fighting with your wife and arguing with her. And your kids aren't right with you. And you're so busy being right that you're not right at all. If you're right on the facts and wrong in your heart, you're wrong. And I just urge you, why don't you take his arm? Because I promise you, if this time next week, and boy, I've seen weeks change. I've got a lot of pastor friends that died with this COVID thing. And I've talked to their wives and them saying, I never knew. I had no idea. It was so sudden. Be thankful for each other. I watched the pastor and wife and all the work they do and all the stuff they do that you never see and the agony they go through that you never understand. And at the end of every Sunday, they have a, it's like a, an election every Sunday. I go to meals afterwards. I go to lunch with them afterwards. And they'll say, where were the Smiths today? That's the second week they haven't been there. And where was sister so-and-so? And where was brother so-and-so? Every Sunday, they're watching and looking for you. And you come and go as a whim. But to them, this is not a whim. This is their whole life. And if we were to come into his presence by thanksgiving and his courts with praise, this place would be electrified by gratitude and thankfulness and the world would change. Amen. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Enter his gates with what? And his courts with praise. 33 years ago, I was sitting in my house. I was 35, 30, 33, uh, 33. All my dreams that I'd ever wanted as a, a young man in Scotland had come, past, come to pass in America. I had a great house with a pool 
And uh, I'd go and preach on television stations like TCT, and they would pay me to come and do their telethons. And I could have, I wanted to, I could have preached 10 or 15 times in the spring and 10 or 15 times at these different stations across America and never had to work again a day in my life. All my dreams had come true. And one day the phone rang and it was my dad. And he said, there are babies dying. And I said, what are you talking about? And he began to tell me about orphans in a country called Romania. And he says, I said, Dad, you're sick. He had cancer surgery. They'd just taken out a melanoma from his back. The wound had burst. We didn't know if it had spread. And I says, look, I says, you're sick. I'm busy. Leave this alone. The next night he called me, 6 o'clock. There are babies dying. And I said, Dad, you told me that yesterday. Please, you're sick. I'm busy. Leave this alone. Next night, there are babies dying. And this become harassing me for a week. And the end of the week, he says, well, I tell you what, if you won't go with me, I'll go by myself. And if I die on the way, it is your fault. <laughs> I says, when do you want me to come? And I went, and uh, the whole town came and gave us clothes and food and stuff. Uh, it was amazing. We had a convoy of trucks. And I, I, I got to this orphanage in, in a town called Timisoara, Romania, and walked in. And as I walked in the doors, the glass on out of place doors, the glass wasn't right, the doors weren't hung right. It was, and I walked in and the smell of human waste, the, this, the burning of ammonia in my eyes. And I, I gagged and I went outside and I went back to the van that Dad and I had been driving. And I says, Dad, I says, I, I can't go in there. He says, you, you gotta go. I says, no, I can't. He says, these people live like this. You'll embarrass them. I says, I'm sorry. I says, you wanted an orphanage? There's the orphanage. Leave me alone. And he says, no. And he grabbed me by my shirt and he hauled me in through the doors. And that was my gentle um, introduction to missions. And walked around this place. It was hell. Oh, God. Starving kids. I went upstairs in salon number five. There was like 30 kids. And, and all the cribs were side by long ways like this. And all the kids rocked. And as they rocked, they banged the, the ends of the cribs together. And they would shout for food. And, they, and no one ever listened to them. And in the middle of all this, there was a, a little face looking at me over the crib, looking down. And he, his cheeks sucked in, looking at me. And the Holy Ghost said, that's your son. As clearly as I'm telling you, that's your son. I says, Dad, look at this boy. He says, oh, he's a bonny boy. I says, no, no. I says, that's, no, it's more than that. And I went over and I picked him up. He was naked from the waist down. And I says, I don't know who you are, but I promise you I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll, whatever it takes, I'm going to get you. And every six weeks I'd go fly from America to to Romania and just go and sit in the orphanage and hold him and rock him and hug him. And I said, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. And I found out he was abandoned at two weeks by a girl, and I found the girl. And, and God gave us a miracle, and we adopted him. He's, he's back there. Stand up, Andrew, will you please? That's him right there. He's an old man now. <laughs> Uh, he, he, if you'd seen him when he was younger, he was so cute, honestly. It, it's very sad. And uh, I had no idea when I picked that boy up 
that I would be doing 33 years later, I'd be sitting in a new church telling you and begging for other people. I didn't know it. I went, after I was there, I came back to America and didn't want to preach again, didn't want to sing again. America's got too many preachers and too many singers. We wouldn't appreciate what we have. And I began and, and we fixed the orphanage up. The, the beds were laid painted, so I made new beds. They had no toilets, but new toilets. And uh, went back and forth, adopted Andrew. And then my dad called me one day and he says, don't go to R Romania this Christmas, go to Moldova. I says, where in the name of heavens is Moldova? He says, it's not far away. It's just one more country over. <laughs> a wee thing called the Carpathian Mountains in a snowstorm with a Mitsubishi Galant and no snow plows and no salt on the, gro on the roads and no barricades on hairpin bends. I don't know how I ever got through. Found an orphanage that the, the British press had reported, and they call it the dying rooms of Moldova. And walked in, and the smell was unbearable. All around the walls, there was piles of human waste because they had no toilets. And these girls, and I had 200 handicapped girls, went to the bathroom all around the walls everywhere. And, and, and I'm looking, at, and the director, his first thing he said to me, he says, when was the last time you saw a baby freeze to death? And my stomach turned. I had a stomach back then. My stomach turned. And, uh, and uh, he said, this year, this is the 16th, sorry, the 11th of December. He says, 16 of our children have frozen to death so far. And my world completely changed. And we've been going back and forth ever since. We have orphanages there that we support. When a girl turns 16, we take them to Vatra village. I don't... Is it, do you have time to show one more video? I've driven six hours to get here in the back of a van in agony. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or anything. <laughs> but whenever this service is finished, I'm going back in that same van and going through the same roadworks all the way back to where I come from. So if you can give me five more minutes to show you this video, it'll be, it'll be all right. And, uh, so we, we, we have a place called Vatra Village. It's crazy. It's miraculous. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's just miraculous. And um, I want you to watch this video to help you understand what we're doing and how you can help. Watch this. Catalina. Juliana. Anna. Tudor.
Moldova, the poorest country in Europe, a place torn between the East and the West, stuck between yesterday and tomorrow. This tiny impoverished country has the highest level of alcohol consumption in the world and the highest death rate linked to drinking. Poverty and alcohol is a deadly mix. It breaks the home. It causes unimaginable suffering. It creates orphans. In this corruption-dominated society, orphanages become recruitment factories where girls and boys in the most vulnerable positions are handed over to traffickers as they age out of the system. Lack of opportunity, social support, and severe poverty make these kids desperate to leave their country, hopeful that they will find a more prosperous life elsewhere. But this combination of desperation and hope leaves many of them susceptible to the false promises of recruiters. Moldova is primarily a source country for men, women, and children forced into sex trafficking and forced labor. My father wanted to kill me. I grew up in an orphanage because my mother was sent to prison for killing my father. the knife from my father and pulled my beaten mother out of the house so he wouldn't kill her. I asked God why all of this is happening to my family and I thought that he forgot about us. I was supposed to be aborted. Me and my sister used to pick our clothes from the trash. Yet, in the midst of this sorrow, a miracle is taking place. Orphans are finding hope through the work of the orphans' hands. And because of your generosity, today, Vatra village is a place of warmth and comfort. Something most of these kids have never known. In these rooms, care and love, hope and healing transforms pain into purpose and loss into life. They are finding their broken hearts healed by God's love and hope is then turning into action. These amazing kids, once rescued and restored, have an unstoppable desire to return to those whose fears they understand, to reach the ones who are what they once were.
you gave me hope. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> and these kids depend on me being in your church this morning. And that's why I'm here. We need, last year, because of the, the, the pandemic, we only had seven services all year. And we live by us traveling, and we couldn't. And that's why I couldn't not be here today. And uh, there's two ways you can help us. The, the, the nightmare of my life, the, the thing that makes me most concerned, is that I, I don't have enough money to keep this place going. When you're buying a pair of jeans in that country that costs $60 for one pair of jeans. And there are dozens and dozens of pairs of jeans needed and winter shoes and winter clothes and boots and doctors that they've never seen before and dentists they've never seen before and eye doctors they've never been to before. It costs us $2,000 a month or thereabouts to buy bus tickets to put the kids from Vatra into the city to go to all the colleges and universities they go to to keep the place open. Gas, gasoline is twice the price there than here, twice. Food is half again as expensive there than it is here. And we need a family. These kids need a family that will stand with them and say, we'll take care of part of that. And we've got a card. Bring it up here, Galena. Thank you, darling. This girl here, Galena, was 15 years left abandoned in an orphanage, dropped off on her, at three years of age by her mother. And she couldn't see the blackboard and the teacher thought she was stupid. And rather than put her out on the street, they made her repeat class after class after class because she was stupid. And I went into this class and this girl sitting like this, bigger than all the other kids. And I says, what's wrong with her? Just an orphan, who cares? And I took her to a, a doctor and he would glasses on her, and when he would glasses on her, she went, <gasps> Those glasses saved her life. Because if she had been put out on the street, she had nowhere to go. This card, it just says, change a life for a dollar a day. Don't let distraction, pay attention to what I'm saying. Is it amazing how the devil gets things moving and stirring and shaving? Change a life. You can help me keep these kids in Vatra Village. And if you'd like to help, give a dollar a day. We've got books that we'll give you as a, a gift, a, a thank you gift. And don't take this home with you. Please pass it back to the table because we count on every one that we give out, hoping that God will allow us to continue and expand and grow. If you'd like to help me and, and join with us in this thing, if you put your hand up, Galena and Dasha, and that beautiful little girl is my granddaughter, Allie. And she's come all the way to help her granddad today. Isn't she gorgeous? I love my girl. She's the oldest granddaughter, and she's spoiled rotten. I gave her my Amazon card the other day for her birthday, and I said, pick whatever you want. Biggest mistake I've ever done in my life. She'll be 21 before I pay it off, but hey. <laughs> make sure they see, make, wave to her. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Dasha, the girl in the white, uh, she's one of our senior, well, she, she's not part of the staff. She works every day 
liaisoning between Moldova and America. And we also have a home that houses 24 girls in the Ukraine. And um, she's up most of the night because there's eight hours difference between us and she's working all the time on news information and stuff coming to us. Do you all have that? Do you all have that? Take that card, please don't take it out of this building. It is radioactive and if you go outside the door, it'll explode or something. But um, it'll make it, if you're here next Sunday and this is in your Bible, I promise you condemnation from God will come upon you. Fill it out and give it back at the table. We've also got t-shirts and the books and the jewelry back there. Avail yourself of that and say hello to our kids and my alley. Oh, I love them. I've got six grandbabies. Isn't that cool? I've been married for 45 years with six grandbabies. So I'm hoping that um, Andrew comes. Never mind. Just pray that he takes the plunge in the name of Jesus. I, he promised me six grandchildren. So him by himself is going to give me six. What's this? Don't. No, 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 no. I saved your life, brother. We need your help. Right now in, Mo in Montgomery, we have a container full of supplies to go to Moldova. It normally costs $7,000. When we checked the other day, it is now 10000 And we asked them why it had jumped 30%. And they said because of the boat that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Remember that boat that got stuck? Well, it's costing us $3,000 more because all of the shipping has been out of disjointed. And everything you give today, one pallet is $500. Could you sponsor one of those pallets on that, on that container? If you could help me get this thing on its way, in that container is the life-giving stuff that our kids give out to all these widows and stuff. So Valentina received what we had sent before. So that they're waiting for us and waiting for you to be responsive. Listen, we love you. I apologize for my blabbering, if I've blabbered. I hope I've said something of value to your heart. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name, for the Lord is good. Amen. Thank you so much. We're going to ask the ushers to come. I'd love for us to be able to get that container to Moldova. How many of you believe that God had blessed that? Amen. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to sit where we're at and forget about those that are around the world. When I did mission work for years, I got criticized from some folks and they said, well, we've got people right here in the United States that need help. And I asked them a question. I said, so what are you doing to help them? And they looked at me kind of funny and I said, you know, I'm doing everything I know to do to help here. But I want to ask a question, what country is foreign to the God that created it? There's no such thing as a foreign country. We're brothers and sisters. And so there's one mission, and that was to take the gospel to the world. And wherever we can reach our hand out and help, we need to do that and take that opportunity. When I was traveling in Russia, I know what it's like to sit inside of a restaurant and watch a child that's starving press his face against a window at a McDonald's and stare at you while you eat your hamburger. The workers there said, don't let that bother you, and they ran out and shooed the boy away. Don't let it bother you. God help us when it doesn't bother us anymore. 
I remember the guys with me, they went outside and they grabbed that boy and they brought him into a warm environment and got him a happy meal that really was a happy meal. Amen. To, for him to have been able to buy a meal like that would be like you and I going to a Ruth Chris Steakhouse just to eat at McDonald's. We are thankful, aren't we? We've been blessed in so many ways. And this is what I've learned is that when we bless others, God turns around and he brings that back to us, pressed down, shaking together and running over. We're going to pray as the ushers come. They may have already been by, but ushers, if you would come. They were so quick. Did you already take up the offering? Oh, they already did. Okay, man, they're like ninjas in here, man. They're so smooth and I don't even see them moving around. Remember your tithes and offerings if you leave. Let's let's pray. I want you, if you would, just to stand with me. I'm going to ask uh, Philip, if he would, to come up here. I know he's, I know what it is to travel, and I know what it is to travel when you're hurting. And, but his faithfulness, because when he talks about there's a reason he's here, he knows that if he's not here, there's no food there. And so, I want us to pray that God will bless him in an extraordinary way this year. And it'll be as if though you never missed a beat from last year. And let's give God a hand clap of praise because he's going to use us to help do that. Father, we thank you today, God, and pray your blessing over Philip, God, his family, God in the orphan's hands for every girl that felt hopeless. And now they find hope for every child that felt alone. And now they know they're loved. Thank you for placing it in his heart to reach them. Help us now, God, together to make a difference in their lives. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here today. As you leave, make sure to stop by their table, talk to them, pick up product, and we'll see you. Hey, remember, Wednesday night, 630, parking lot. Amen. God bless you.